Yeah. Previously on the Black Tribbles. Back where it all began. Um, so, so we mentioned uh, that, that you are a bit of a nerd, and what we need to do is induct you into the nation. Everyone that we've had on the show uh, becomes one of us. Uh, oh my goodness! Yes, yes, Tony yes. Todd it is, is official. He, Tony Todd is Shaka Zulu Tribble. Phil Lamar. Uh, Phil Lamar is Samurai Tribble. That he is. Oh man! Yeah, I am uh, Storm Tribble. Eric here is Master Tribble. Jay is Spider Tribble. Bat is or Bat is Len Tribble. Len. <laughs> Bat Tribble. Just like Batman is Bruce Wayne. Yeah, right. Uh, and Randy, uh, our other Tribble, is uh, Super Tribble. So you kind of, now that you've gotten a, an idea of where you can go with that, um, what would your Tribble designation be? Oh, my goodness. I guess, um, uh, what, Jones Tribble? Jones Tribble? I kind of love that. I kind of love that. I, I, I just can you just wait a minute everybody be quiet I just need you to say that one time Jones Tribble that the the diction the diction the syntax is is exquisite <laughs> excellent I, I am I'm I'm actually I I'm actually moved. <laughs> I am Jones Tribble. Yes. I cannot. I. I will. I. I, I will say it to a lot of people. So what's going on with you, Carl? I'm just Tribble. Yes. Okay. So that's all we need. Now that now that now that you uh, have have recognized your tribbleness and have owned your tribbleness, this is official nation. We have to swear you in. There is an oath. It's a breakthrough for me. People <laughs> have known it, but I haven't come out. Um, until now, so I guess that's yes. <laughs> we just geek out in Carl Lumley. I'm out. Yes. Out inside the black tribbles. Yes. 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 <laughs> Feel free to tweet that to all of your followers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, for sound drop purpose, actually, no, we're going to induct you first. So I'm going to turn this over to Master Triple, um, and he's going to swear you in officially. So here we go. Okay. All right. Now, what I need you to do, now you're going to repeat after me. I'm a triple furry. I'm a triple true. I'm a triple furry. I'm a triple true. From the way I roll to the way I coo. From the way I roll the way I cool. So shall it be said, so shall it be done. Welcome, Jones <laughs> Tribble, to the polls. Oh, my God. One of us. One of us. One of us. <laughs> that was... Epic, my friend. I need a dry chair. Yeah, for real. I mean, you just you just made us you just made a whole bunch of geeks very happy. Can I can I ask oh, you to do fuck. a quick favor for me, please? Yes. Can you say this is Carl Lumley, also known as Jones Tribble, on Black Tribbles? This is Carl Lumley, also known as Jones Tribble on Black Tribbles. <laughs> I love your face. <laughs> I love your face. I love your voice. It is your black triples. 
Seven is a number, both prime and divine. Seven yeah. is a number, both prime and divine. Seven is a do. number, both prime All and divine. Seven is a number, Check both prime and divine. United like the Justice League, three unlimited, five transformed into seven. Magnificent amalgamation, Super Saiyan, we ain't playing. 106.5 is the radio station. Triple Nation is the name of the tribe. 610 267 215. All around the globe in every area code. Online, on air, whatever the mode. Days and nights, live or recorded. Listeners rewarded with the rawness. Keeping it flawless like a Batman plan. Jedi flips or a Spider Man handstand. Peace to every geek we stand for. From Kronos to the bottle, city of Candor. We about to catch wreck. Turn up your set, black triples on deck. Y'all know what time it is. Black triples in your area. Let's go. beautiful studios of WPPM 106.5 FM Philly Camden ladies and gentlemen boys and girls cats and kittens children of all ages put your hands together for another brand spanking new edition of your black troubles my name is Len aka the bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined in this lovely studio by... Yo, what's the deal? What's the deal, everybody? How y'all doing? Yo, check it out. Yo, yo. Randy's home with his homies and it feels so good like Chuck Mangione. Yo, you know me. I came to rock out with my peoples and I ain't no phonies. I got cool cronies on the one and the twos. Black triples, what we do. It's good to see y'all folks bring the news. Oh, man, I miss y'all ladies and dudes. <laughs> man, our son, the voice of reason. Super Triple is back in the joint. Yeah, I mean. Hi, everybody. Hi, Randy. <laughs> I missed it, y'all. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, the green hair bombshell. Your uncanny triple, a.k.a. Amalgam triple, a.k.a. Bruce Leroy triple. Show enough. Your girl, Ariel, in the building. What's up, Triple Nation? What's up, Triple Nation? Triple Nation, we are um, we are three triples high tonight, ladies and gentlemen. That is that is all she wrote in the building. Um, Can we I, be actually high? Uh, <laughs> oh, if only we could. <laughs> if only we could. Oh, we can't. All right. Because <laughs> <laughs> the way my contract written is say. Um, See you later. So we got I'm a fun. My, I'm getting my Chris Long on. I'm high all the time. Nobody it's it's, it's just it's just uh it's just the uh, the triples amalgam and me, ladies and gentlemen, here tonight. Uh, Isaiah, the Super Saiyan Tribble, is off with Horror Tribble and a couple of other Tribbles, and they are jetting their way to MomoCon down in uh, I believe in Atlanta. Is where that's going to be taking place now. So it's, it, they're going. I think yeah, Georgia. Georgia, at yeah. the very least. Yeah, they're going south. That's all I know. They, they said they're going south. 
Um, so they're going to be at MomoCon all weekend. So look for reports uh, from there on all of our social medias. Uh, Dante, the intern triple, is actually. <laughs> I'm he... sorry, that just made me laugh. <laughs> Why? Because he's the, the intern triple. Well, he is. Uh, he is actually. He couldn't be here tonight primarily because um, he, he's wor- he's working. He's just very hard at work um, getting things together because in two weeks we hope to be debuting our new live stream of the Black Tribbles radio show on YouTube. So he nice. said like he needed a day to like to, to finagle with some things and get some things together. So I was like, all right, you know. Go ahead, uh, uh, stay home, do what you got to do, bro. I understand because he's been a hard-working intern. And uh, Kennedy, Kennedy's got like she caught out with a little bit of the sniffles, so it is just us. But we still have a very cool show for you this evening, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up at nine thirty, we are going to be uh, interviewing New York Times number one best-selling sci-fi award-winning author V.E. Schwab we'll be talking to her about all of her great works uh, she she wrote the, the book Vicious its sequel Vengeance uh, she has a fantastic graphic novel um, series The Shades of Magic uh, of which the um, the second book I think has, has come out, the Steel Prince came out uh, over the last few months. Yeah, the first Steel Prince really came out. Yeah, that was actually one of my picks. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah, the first issue. So, um, well, months ago, I guess. Right, and uh, so we're going to be sitting down talking to her. She's doing um, great things. We're going to get all up in her mentals. Uh, Ariel has a very special suggested quote unquote reading for you tonight ladies and gentlemen so you'll definitely want to check that out and then on the other side of of the show for this week in uh, geek history this year in geek history we're going to celebrate that June is the 30th anniversary of one of the seminal movies of superhero them 1989's Batman. So we're going to talk all about that, all about the legacy of the Batman in motion pictures, talk about the talk of a new uh, Batman in motion pictures, talk about why maybe we don't even need another Batman in motion pictures. We're going to get all into it. The phone lines are open. 215-923-9776. That's 215-923-WPPM. Hit us up. Let us know what you, what's what's on your mind. Uh, Randy, yes. the Super Tribble, back from a long tour with Gangster Grass. Yeah, man, it was it was a lot of running. Y'all went all like y'all went like all we over went the country. As far west as Iowa, uh, as far west as far north as uh, Bailey's Harbor, Wisconsin. Bailey's Harbor, Wisconsin. That's what I said. It's like an hour and a half north of Green Bay. Okay. Right on the shores of uh, Lake Michigan, and killed. Yeah, packed the joint. Like the the crowd there was really really dope. They they had an after party at this guy's house, uh, who was a like a uh, immigration lawyer, a guy named Luca and his wife. Great people, man. We met some some amazing people. 
um, and just had a really good time. Man. Now really this was you know Gangsta Grass was was on the road doing their thing, uh, um, like wrecking stages um, from all across the country. But this was also in celebration of your new album release. Yes, the new the live album uh, Pocket Full of Fire came out in February. And it's been on the the Billboard Bluegrass chart for like eleven weeks. Wow! Right, um, right. We're at number two right now. Which number is a two weird thing. It's like why you say it's weird? Just just to think about it's it's really bizarre. Um, so you have this idea of what like the Billboard charts are, and they yeah. exist in this other realm of stuff. True, true. And then to be on it is just weird i guess that would be weird because like you know if you grew up especially in the days when billboard magazine was like truly a thing and all yeah. over the place you know you would grow up and you you you'd look at it and you'd flip through the charts and yeah. you, you see stars you know people that you exactly. know on radio exactly and then to look down and see your own yeah is which is really weird the the weirder thing about it is um and shout outs to uh, a young lady named Melody Yvonne, who's our, been our photographer at a bunch of our, our shows, uh, she did the shots for the for the uh, for the album, and like I'm right in the center on the cover of the album, which is a weird thing. Like I, I don't know, I don't know what f- real fame is, mm-hmm. but to see yourself in a th- on a thing that people know and then people know you from that is weird it's it's very it's very strange but it's awesome and you know we got a we got a great team and we just just having a good time with it um we're going back out for a couple of weekends in june and july and then uh going out west in august so you know just trying to just trying to keep it pushing man and you know trying to have a good time with it well, that's great, man. And now, and I understand that while you were on the road, you actually came across some members of the Triple Nation. Uh, who did I run into? Let's see. I met uh, what is what's you met Christopher Goodnight? Yes, yes, I did. I can't remember his, his Triple designation though. I, you know what? I don't think he's taken the Triple Oath yet. He hasn't. He wow. Has not. He has not. I am surprised. He, I, I, I mostly know him as a letter writer. Yeah, as as deep as deeply involved as he is. I, I thought he. I would have thought he would have been. He would have been nation by now. But no, he was came through a show in uh, in, Indi- in Indianapolis. Good guy, man. Hung out and hung out a little bit. Yeah, very cool cat. And he rapped real hard for us. So you know. And, uh, yeah, he talked. He talked about like you. It, like uh, you're his new best friend based on the hug that you gave him. Oh, uh, I was. <laughs> it was really exciting. You know, you you encounter these people in these in these formats like digitally, and uh, you know when I do the. Uh, when I do the video on Tuesdays of what books are coming out of Amalgam, like he's always he's always there, just you know talking stuff up and kind of chatting with me. And to really to finally encounter somebody you know face to face is is a very cool thing. You know, it's one of one of the, the great things about the digital age that you know you encounter these people from all over the world. Right. And then when you finally meet them, it's just a very cool thing. Well, that's dope, man. Well, well, I'm glad that Gangsta Grass is is being met with such big success. I'm very excited for you, for uh, everything that you guys have accomplished and the, are accomplishing. The next thing is uh, we're we're trying to we're trying to hit the basement, man. We're still trying to put this podcast together, so you know, we might be down. Man, I'm looking at y'all. Y'all doing things on the tour bus and stuff. Y'all got podcasts down, man. Oh, dude, y'all got it down. You know what's funny? We've been, we've been talking about it, and I'm probably gonna get in trouble for this. Um, 
they really want want the whole thing like really like focused. Like we're gonna start with this, and then we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do it. And I'm telling them like the best stuff is the stuff that just sort of happens. Yeah, you come up with a topic, yeah, you know, but but then you kind of like just flow yeah, with just, it. Yeah, just let it flow. And um, I, I, I've told them a hundred times, like some of the best moments here, just stuff that sort of happened, you know. New Bermuda is the f- still the funniest thing of all time. <laughs> it just came out of nowhere. You know what I mean? So, uh, but we'll uh, we're 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 still working on that. That's that's the next thing. Well, well then I guess I I will speak for all of Triple Nation and for the Black Tribbles that um, we're happy to have you back for as long as you're going to be back. Thank you. It's it's good to be back. I miss you guys. We miss you too, Randy. Because we realize that you know. You're on borrowed time. <laughs> well, don't say that. No, it is because. It, well, that I mean, but I feel like that usually has like. Oh, fatal type yeah. of connotations. Fatal, fatal. That makes me feel, feel, like, <laughs> feel like a challenger, one of the challengers of the unknown. So, okay, I, I'll take that. Everything goes back to comic books. Yes, right, man. It, yes, it does. Yes, it He's does. He's talking about people looking at him on, on record covers and him being on billboards, but somehow he's able to take it back to a 1960s obscure comic book series. Challenges of the Unknown, man. It was four guys in purple jumpsuits all the time. All day, every day. Yeah. They had on purple jumpsuits. And were one of the funniest parts of Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Yeah, they were funny. That was that, amazing. Yeah, that, that, was a, that was a good movie. That was a good movie. Um, speaking of movies, I have actually this week. I have been. I have been insane this week. I have seen not one, not two, but actually not even three. I was about to say three. <laughs> I've. I just thought about it. I, I've seen four. I've been to the movie theaters four times this week. What'd you see? How'd you manage that, Len? He well, out here bragging. Well, I'm glad you asked me, Ariel. I'll mm. tell you. Well, Sunday. Um, it was either Sunday or Saturday. Uh, I took Tawana to the movies. Now, we were supposed to make up for not being able to go to the uh, the press screening for John Wick earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. So the weekend where we were supposed to go see John Wick. Well, of course, when the weekend comes, she don't want to see John Wick. <laughs> I don't want to see. Don't throw her under the bus. Well, she didn't want to see it. All you have to say is, we decided not to go. She didn't want to see it. Keeping it real. So, what she did want to see, though. When keeping it real goes wrong. Oh, no. She wanted to see The Intruder. With Oh. uh, What? With Dennis Quaid Quaid. and Megan Good and Michael Ealy. He looks so creepy in that. Yeah. How was? Was it good? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I should have thought about who I asked that question. No, it was not good. (laughs) It was, it was, it was, it was stupid. It was, it was a very stupid. And Dennis Quaid is definitely, he definitely looks weird, but he even looks more weird because he's had really bad plastic surgery. Uh He's got like, he's got, I don't know what he's got in in, his stuffed in his cheeks. But it, it ain't natural, and it's Aww. it's not done well. Aww. So he does he doesn't. It, it, so that was, so that's what it was. You know, it was the, you know, she wanted to see it. I took her dinner, whatever. She's happy. Then on Tuesday, 
Tuesday, I went and I saw, uh, she went with me. Um, we saw Brightburn. Oh, now that I want to see. Yeah. Brightburn, which is uh, basically a flip of the whole Superman story. So basically, what if Superman was um, not this, you know, benevolent soul that came to, to Earth? Um, and it's really a good movie. Hmm. It's really good. It's 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 billed as like a horror movie, and there definitely is some stuff. You like, oh, ooh, it, it it it's it don't hold no punches. Okay, like so if you're like if you're a little squeamish about like blood and and ugh. so it's rated R. It's hard R. Yeah. Oh, it's hard R. Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's an R. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a hard R. Which actually surprised me because it does say that it's, you know, bright burn R. Like the R is like, it's R, right? Mm -hmm. But when I went to this movie, which while it was a press screening, you know, it, it went out to like the film society so people could, you know, could come. And a couple of people came with like their kids. Oh. Like, uh -oh. like about, look like maybe 12, <laughs> 13 years old. Now, maybe if you're 12 or 13, you can handle a, a horror movie. I don't know. Um, and, and I'm not one to talk because I I did things with my little girl and I, I took her to movies she probably shouldn't have seen either. So, but uh, I was just surprised that that was there. But um, it's a really a good it's a really good movie. Randy, you should check out this movie. I'll see it eventually. You should see it in the theaters. I don't care. Why? Randy's been very clear about because, this. Because, all right. So first trailer comes out three months ago or whatever. 15 people send it to me. Yo, did you see that? Okay. Yeah, all right. Interesting. I've read this book. All right. You know, I, 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 okay. It was, you know, they, they did it in Supreme Power to a degree. They did it in, uh, uh, what's the, uh, Mark Wade book? Um, in, in Irredeemable. Irredeemable. Yeah. It's been done. Like, the guy with all the power goes crazy. It's been done. Oh, this is the guy with all the power goes crazy as a kid. Okay. But, okay, but having it been done in a comic book is different from it being done in a movie. I disagree. Okay. Here's the thing. I am perfectly willing for there to never be another comic book movie again. I would be okay with that because there are things that you can do two-dimensionally with pen and pencil that you can you will never be able to do on screen and pull off and i'm okay with that i i'm perfectly okay with that i don't mind it um and it, you know, if it happened it happened i i've seen mind you don't get me wrong i've seen everyone that's come out every single mcu every dc movie and the only thing that i'm i think i'm a little bit behind because i haven't seen hellboy yet and I heard, I heard that was so ridiculously bad that it's fun. So I'll see that at some point. Um, so I'll see this eventually. But I'm, I'm to the point where I'm like, okay, uh, I don't, it's not, hey, I'm not excited about it. I don't get excited about him anymore. I'm excited about Spider-Man because I love Tom Holland and I think he's a great Spider-Man. Um, okay. I'm excited about Wonder Woman 84. Um, I don't know if they've announced anything else. You know, what I'm really excited about this year. I want to. I was listening to the to the show uh, when you guys were talking movies last week. I'm really excited about Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I really want to go see Dora. 
I, I want to see Dora too. I want to see Dora so bad. Yeah, I watched so much Dora with my son and my daughter when they were coming up that I'm like, all right, let's see where this goes. Yeah, and I I don't necessarily know if it will be good, but I gotta see it. Yeah, I've exactly. watched too much Dora not exactly. to see this to movie. Not see it. Yeah, I'm also at the point where I I I. I'm fascinated by the idea that people are mad that they're doing live action versions of movies that were already animated, but I'm still seeing people saying, this should be a live action movie. Well, no. What do you, what do you mean this should be? What are they uh, let's these? see what I see today. Um, there should be a live action Gargoyles. There should be a live action... Somebody said I was uh, like a live action Bionic Six. Like I'm like, what? What? Why? Why? You, no. Go find the old cartoons. Watch Bionic Six. If somebody's got the money and the resources to create a Bionic Six live action movie, I'll go see it. Recognizing that it's a waste of resources. It's fine. Let it be. I don't know if it's a waste of resources. But at the same time, like if. It, Okay, so why is Aladdin a waste of resources? Well, I mean, look, I saw Aladdin. I saw Aladdin. Saw that, I saw Aladdin with uh, Will Smith. So uh, wait, what's that? That's three. So so yeah. the Intruder, Intruder, Brightburn, Brightburn. I saw Aladdin, Aladdin, which is actually not bad. Okay, it's not bad. Will Smith. He doesn't make you forget Robin Williams, but he, you know, he's just being Will. Right. I mean, I feel like that's all Will Smith does now is be Will Smith. But I wanted to see it because it's brown people on screen, not because I was excited about it. Because I didn't see Cinderella. I didn't see Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. I, I can't bring myself to see Lion King because that's not live action. Like, if it was actually live action, I would go see it. It's like, you got a lion, an <laughs> a actual lion lions. to hang off a clip. Like, I would go see that movie, but it's like, it's not live action, so I'm not going to see that. But I do want to support brown people in Hollywood, so I am going to see Aladdin for that reason. But I, like, yeah, I was like, what's wrong? Like, the one that they made before still holds. You can just watch it. Yeah, but they're making it for a new generation. And there's the new generation of kids, honestly. They really want to see it. They, they, they really, really, they really want to see it. And the kids that were in the audience loved it. Well, I'm they sure they have, it. but did they see the original? I, a lot of them have seen the original. Right. Um, Vince, my partner on the Michelle Mission, he came with his daughter. She's seen it, uh, seen the original, loved it, saw it on stage, actually loves that more than the cartoon. Yeah. And after this, she said, I really do like this. I love. She loved it. She loved every bit of it. Yeah, I will say Lion King on stage is... It's, it's another it's, thing. It's a whole other thing. Yeah. So I would. I didn't see Aladdin, but I would probably agree with that. But I guess I, I, guess I just kind of push back against the idea, like, in order to relate to a new generation, you have to completely revamp the old thing because there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that I came up on that I enjoyed that was not my generation it's like you know what I mean I can't tell you how many episodes of like good times and um like they just did the the live studio oh, audience the live Jefferson how was that? it was actually 
actually fun. I heard so that I, was fun. I missed some of all in the family. I only saw the end of that, but the Jefferson was good, and they they actually got uh, Marla Gibbs to come back. Did they really? And reprise her oh, role, so she actually sweet. played her same role. And oh, okay. And and it was basically they did the um, I don't know if they were necessarily the pilot episodes, but they were the first aired episodes. So yeah, they okay. of of each of those series. So um, yeah, and so you just kind of get that. Um, that whole vibe with the shows and it was fun but the whole thing was it was paying homage to what it was not right. we're gonna redo it it was yeah. like no this thing was great and now we're just kind of paying homage to that because it was like same like word for word the script yeah it was the exact same script. um yeah. and so yeah and i just feel like you can like again even when i enjoyed those shows that was not my generation. I was watching reruns. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And everything from like Patty Duke, my three son, like all that stuff. Again, not my generation, but I really genuinely enjoyed it. And so again, for me, the idea that in order to appeal to a younger audience, you have to completely throw away the old thing. I just don't, I can't get with that. I don't think they're throwing it away. Yeah, it I, uh, th- For me, the thing that w- that makes it uh, palatable, ama- not even palatable, like, Amazing, like with the Lion King, it really looks like they got a, an actual lion to do all this stuff. But they didn't. And if they got an actual lion, that, which would be dope. I would see that. Yeah, movie. That would be dope. <laughs> well, did you see the Jungle Book? Yeah, I did. Did you like it? I did. It's basically it's the Jungle Book. Well, no, because in the Jungle Book, there is still a there is a touchstone that is a human being. It's a human being. And, and and quite frankly, I liked. I like the Jungle Book, but I think really what my takeaway was was like this kid is a fantastic actor, <laughs> and like he's literally in, on a green screen by himself. Yeah, just you know what I mean? Out. Yeah, and I mean I'm sure Talking they probably gave yeah I'm sure they kind of gave him cues so he had something <clears> to look at. But essentially, he is playing off of himself. Like right. it is just him, and everything else is fake. And I think I'm I'm just like I hope we see more of the young man that played Mowgli in that movie but I think for me I liked it but I was more just kind of in awe of him as an actor okay I feel you. good point right. um, I actually saw a fourth film which I just came from um, before I got to the studio I saw John Wick 3 Parabellum Parabellum with uh, Keanu Reeves and uh, Halle Berry and Ian McShane Miss uh, Berry Miss Berry yes um I, gotta, I feel a little weird about that movie. Um, we're going to have to talk about that. We're going to put that on hold. Put, stick a pin in that. And we'll talk about, because I believe that you, Ariel, you saw John John Wick. I did. Right? Because I know you're a huge Keanu Reeves fan. I love him. I, we know. He's a delight. He's a wonderful human being. John Wick, yeah, Keanu Reeves is the truth. That dude's dope. Yeah, he's so sweet. I just, how can you not? We'll stick, a, we'll stick a pin in that conversation. Um, but right now, we're going to take a quick musical pause for the cause and then an on the other side, we will be speaking with author V.E. Schwab here on Black Tribbles on Philly Cam, WPPM 106.5 FM, Philadelphia. Streaming live and direct on phillycam.org slash listen. We will be back in un momentito. Stay tuned. Yeah. Still stay young and hard at the same time. My lord, still playing in the grass. Let's go. Come on. 
My wardrobe is t-shirts, sneakers, and jeans. Got an extra toothbrush just to keep the kicks clean. Do some late night madden every couple of days and make sure I pick my comics up when I get paid. Let me just say, work comes before play things. But if I'm living right, they're quite often the same things. I hang with my team and we kill a lot of time. In the midst of all that, still trying to get mine. Stacking every dime, rolling up every quarter. Educate my sons and my daughter. Giving dap to every fan and supporter. That held me together like bricks and mortar. Gonna keep on doing this rap thing. Even if it takes long to glow like Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Adjusting and adapting. Artists some crafting. Styles live enough to keep the audience clapping. Go! I get the picture. No ignorance. Even if I go wild. I my own style. To let it shine all across the timeline. I get the picture. Never fit the profile. No ignorance. Even if I go wild. I my own style. To let it shine all across the time. I've seen the best to ever do it in every sport. Known the love of three kids that can't be bought. Learn lessons no session in school could have taught. Thinking on levels that Einstein thought. Dude that killed my mom never saw a game caught. SOB never got caught. I said that if I saw him, I would tear him apart. Knowing it wouldn't repair my heart. Where do I start? Maybe growing up as a dad. There's no way I could even know enough And getting it done means more than just showing up And being daddy is more than just showing love So I'ma go above and beyond Make sure my kids won't do it if they know that it's wrong Keep on going until my flowing is gone And even then forever living through my songs Peace, JJ I get the picture, never the profile No ignorance, even if I go wild Made my own style, age of To let it shine all across the timeline I get the picture, never fit the profile no ignorance, even if I go wild, make my own style. Aging like five wide, to let it shine all across the time. It's amazing the things you will do. Your account's almost empty and there's a bunch of bills due. Fridge full of food that's covered in mildew. The only thing worse is the fear that fills you. See, I'm a skilled dude, but I've had those moments where you feel like the whole world is your opponent. Your tentative grasp on reality is slipping fast. Starting to feel like you can't hold it. That's when the young cat in me comes face to face with the old head lion that's taking his place. Arrives inside his mind as a saving grace and tells him it's time to face his mistakes. Recognize we're all gonna make a few that there's destiny it's inescapable get your bruce willis on be unbreakable then fix that mess you're the only one capable never fit the profile even if i go wild aging like fine wine all across the timelines never fit the profile even if i go wild aging like fine wine all across the timelines. Arson, the voice of reason, ladies and gentlemen, with Alexa Gold Timelines. Off of the uh, Arson, the voice of reason solo joint. Boom Bap Therapy coming soon. Like, real, real soon. Thank God. <laughs> Hard at work on that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we're back here live on Black Tribbles on WPPM LP Philadelphia. And right now on the line, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest. A very special guest that's on the line. We are honored here <laughs> on Black Tribbles. This is indeed an honor. She is 
number one New York Times best-selling science fiction author. Oh. <laughs> she is um, heralded. She was actually heralded here, um, Ariel, as you reminded us earlier this year her book series The Shades of Magic The Steel Prince was one of your suggested readings earlier this year. Yes it was. From the heralded uh, store of Malcolm Comics and Coffee House Uh, and her 2013 novel Vicious which is someone The Guardian wrote is a brilliant exploration of superhero mythos and riveting revenge thriller and features some very bad people. She writes about mm-hmm. bad people. She likes to write about bad people. She well, lives bad in a world are of fun. Gra- is that what it is? I think so. We have to ask her about that. She has the, it, the sequel is out in bookstores now. It's vengeful. It's available. She is the darling of tour books. She's been touring all over the place. She's been at cons everywhere and she has sat down from a uh, peanut butter and banana sandwich to sit down and talk with us. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for sci-fi author V.E. Schwab. Hello! Hi! Thank you so much for having me. What an introduction. Well, hey... You got bona fides. We got we got to give we got to give you your propers. Now I'm honored. I'm honored. Now now V E actually yeah. uh, stands for Victoria Elizabeth. Let me just yes. Let, I, I'm going to tell you right now that uh, my daughter my daughter's name is Olivia, but uh, Elizabeth was my second choice. So I'm always oh, partial. Good to, name. I know, isn't it? People know. People hate. Good it. name. Oh no, my mom's English, so I got named the most English name possible. Yeah, All eight yeah. syllables of it. That's true. That's true. You're Queen Queen. There you go. I am yeah. Queen Squared. That's nice. That is, that is nice. Now, um, now. It, Ariel looked at me a little funny when I mentioned about eating peanut butter and bananas sandwiches, but if yeah. I, but if I understand correctly, that is your breakfast of choice. That is, you know, I I spend a lot of my year on the road, and I I have a lot of anxiety, and I find that by starting my day the same way, no matter what city, no matter what country I am in, it just kind of starts me out feeling like I'm home in myself. And so that and that is so she brings peanut butter with her yeah. <laughs> everywhere she goes, Ariel. Well, that nice. makes sense. I just thought that I apologize, but I thought that was just something Lynn said, and I was like, well, that's no. an odd thing to it's say. It's very specific, isn't it? But as one that likes, I not sandwiches, but I'm a fan of peanut butter. I mean, I'm sorry, Nutella, yeah. banana, and strawberries. Oh, so good as part of my breakfast. I get it. I should clarify, I don't even do the sandwich part. I literally just have a jar of peanut butter and a spoon and a banana and a cup of tea, and it's just between me and the jar. There's no bread. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's nice. Yeah. Wow. So, so are you out the middle, man? And you still consider that breakfast, or is that a snack? Yeah, no, that's my breakfast. Okay. Uh, wherever I go, I just try and find myself some peanut butter. Uh, I've just been... This year has been crazy so far. I went from Australia to Buenos Aires, and I just was like, I just needed a little bit of home wherever I went. Oh, that's nice. Are you partial to a particular brand of peanut butter? 
I'm the most ornery peanut butter eater in the world. <laughs> the day that I knew that I had like reached success in publishing was the day that I could afford to buy the peanut butter I wanted at the grocery store and not have to worry about how much it costs. No, I just, I like peanut butter that's just peanuts, like just peanuts and salt. People think like you need to add a lot of oil, but peanuts make their own oil. And there's just some really beautiful peanut butters out there that are just ground peanuts and salt. It's very simple, very pure. It's very tasty. It just, it tastes like home. Now that I'm off of the sugary stuff, it tastes really weird when I try to eat the sugary peanut butter. I feel you. I feel you. But, this but, is the prime content. I know everybody wants to hear that. My peanut butter specification. Look, there are people. There are people all over right now that they are like, "Go ahead, girl. That's right." Mm-hmm. Shoot, I. Me. You gotta like what you like. That's peanut right. butter and extra dark chocolate. Those are the two things I carry with me everywhere. Like an eighty percent bar of dark chocolate and a jar of peanut butter. Wow, eighty percent. Eighty percent. My God. I like it better. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that is bitter. That's pretty bitter. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah Wrench does that. He loves that, yeah. that really bitter. I'm like, oh, it's I'm like, so dude. good. It's like coffee, you know? It's got that extra little kind of coffee taste. You let it melt on your tongue. It's perfect. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> you, you have completely lost me there. But, oh. but, but I am with you, though. I am with you when you talk about how when you reach a certain level in your career – and yeah. where you actually can go to the grocery store and look at the top shelf and be like, hey, Oh my God. I- it was, it was a moment for me. <laughs> it was a moment. Like I've been a published author since I was 21, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that I have been a successful published author since I was 21. Right. I'm 31 now. So I'm just coming up on a decade in publishing and the first four or five years, I mean, one year I had to move home. I was very fortunate to have parents who would let me move home for like six months while I waited for a check. But I I distinctly remember being like 25, 26, getting a check because you don't get paid normally in books. You get paid in like an advance, getting that check and realizing that I could go to the grocery store and buy whatever I wanted to put on my shelf at home. And that was for me, like, people talk about, like, I bought a car, I bought, like, this leather jacket, I'm like, I bought peanut butter. Like, I bought like, <laughs> peanut butter. <laughs> I got five pounds of sugar. What? I got exactly what I wanted. <laughs> I hear it. Now, you say you, you've been uh, a published author since 21. Yeah. When did the writing bug first hit you? Well, you know, I started writing as a teenager, but I didn't start writing books. I looked at writing books, and I was so daunted by this concept. I thought, that's three, four, five hundred pages. I'm supposed to keep a story in my head. Mm-hmm. There's, in my head, I thought, I don't have the patience for that. I still kind of think some days I don't have the patience for that. So I tried every form of writing before I tried writing books. I started in poetry. Right. I started in short fiction, nonfiction, screenplays. And finally, I got to college. And I was 19, and I realized the reason, the only reason I hadn't tried to write a book was because I was afraid of failing to write a book. Okay. And and I just have this really adversarial nature when it comes to fear. Like, I had a fear of heights as a teenager, so for my 18th birthday, I jumped out of an airplane at 15,000 feet. And, like, I had a fear of change, so I chopped off all my hair. And I had a fear of being away from home, so I traveled through Europe, like, backpacking. And so when I realized I had a fear failing to write a book it just clicked something inside my head and i sat down and i thought now i have to prove myself wrong 
Right. All right. Well, when you say the fear of failing, is it failing to complete the book or failing in the sense that you do you complete the book and it's not well received? Oh, no, I didn't think like I wasn't thinking even to publishing at that point. I thought I'm going to start something and not be able to finish it because the vast majority of writers out there who want to write a novel don't finish writing a novel. It's really easy to start something. It's a little harder to keep doing it. It's almost impossible to finish. Right. So I just didn't think I had what it took to finish something, especially because there's this idea, the shiny new idea, which is the idea that maybe you get a third of the way through your project, whatever that project is, and suddenly all you could think of is wanting to work on something new. It's very tempting. It's purposefully yeah. tempting because the thing that you're working on is becoming familiar mm-hmm. to you. And as it becomes familiar, it loses that luster. And things you haven't messed up yet, things you haven't gotten your hands on, begin to seem like really good ideas. But you have to push through that in order to, you have to become familiar with the thing you're working on. You have to see the holes and the flaws as well as the good things in order to complete it. It's this weird paradox inside a creative brain. No. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes sense. Yeah, so I was just afraid of not finishing. Now, when you sat down to write, were you already a a fan of science fiction and fantasy? Did, were you already knew that that's what your story was going to be? Was it totally something different? You were writing a crime novel. No, I think everything I've always loved to to read and to write has been one step off of center. Like I've always wanted to have like at least one foot at the fantastical because to me, like I grew up wanting the world to be stranger than it was. I was that kid who went hiking and started looking for cracks in the world where I might be able to fit an imaginary key. Like I was convinced there was magic and I just hadn't figured out how to find it yet. So I've always been enamored with the idea that there's this veil between the mundane and the magical and like our job in life is to try and figure find like the partitions in it. And so as a writer I was always, always drawn to to the strange. Sometimes it was grandly fantastic, like Shades of Magic. Sometimes it was just one step off of normal. But I always wanted it to have some kind of some kind of crook in the path. That makes sense to see, see, because yeah. I, I always have lived by the the, the notion that uh, the world would be so much better if we all believed in magic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. actually, I got a question. Have you found any of those? <laughs> I have definitely had, there are moments, there are places. So when I'm not traveling the world, I actually live in Edinburgh, Scotland. Scotland is one of the most magically infused places. Like, if you don't believe in magic, you don't believe in ghosts, if you don't believe in any of that stuff, if you go to Edinburgh, you're going to start, like, it's going to start cracking that certainty, which is kind of my goal all along. It's not actually to make people into believers, it's just to instill enough doubt Mm -hmm. into wonder. And I feel like Scotland blesses me in that it's one of those places where every day makes you wonder just a little bit. Is that there's more that you haven't found yet? Yeah, Edinburgh is a beautiful, beautiful city. It's I mean, amazing. It's like a fairy it's, tale. It's, it is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and I just, I just want to say, talking about foundations too. Like, I, I'm 31, so I had the immense luxury of growing up at the same age and time as Harry Potter. So I, was <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I was 11 when I when Harry Potter came out, so I got to age with Harry Potter. Oh, and wow. I think that's fun. Anyone from that generation, it, it instills you with this almost very natural belief system 
mm-hmm. in, in a desire to find more because that was simply, especially I'm an only child, so that was you know that was simply defining for me. Oh, I can I can imagine uh, um, growing up, especially with that mindset already, and to yeah. to read this book about a. A school of magic? <laughs> Mom! I know. It was mind blowing. It was mind blowing. I can I can I can imagine that. So so you sit down at twenty one to yeah. to write your first story. And so you, you sit down at twenty one to write it. How old are you when you finish it? Oh, so so I sat down at nineteen to write my first one and it was terrible. So I went, I just started focusing on school again. I it was pretty enough to get me an agent, which is kind of the first step on the road to publishing, but it had no plot whatsoever because I'd never written a book before. I didn't know actually how to write a book. Wait a minute. You so say you sat down to, you, doing. you're right. You sit down to write your first book in your yeah. minds. It's terrible, yet it's still good enough to get you an agent. Well, okay. So it was terrible and it had no plot, but I told you, I spent my whole team writing poetry. So the one thing I knew how to do was make pretty sentences. Okay. And that I had an odd enough style, an odd enough kind of lyricism to the book that it mm-hmm. got a lot of attention very quickly. So an agent picked it up, but it got to publishers. It got all the way up through the publishing kind of ladder four times, four different houses. It got it got killed every single time, which wow. rightly so, right. because it didn't actually have a it didn't actually have a plot. Looking back, I wouldn't have wanted that book to be my debut novel. Gotcha. But it was it was weirdly like complicating in the in the process because it infused me with this idea that I was ready when I wasn't because mm-hmm. my writing was pretty but it was kind of vapid. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't have the story to back up the prose. Right, um, and so I I sat down to try again when I was a college senior at twenty one because again that fear kind of crept back into my head and I thought, well, one time is a fluke. Like, now you got to prove to yourself it's not a fluke. you got to do it again. Right. And so I felt like, you know, sometimes in your life you feel the crossroads, you feel the divergence in your path, and you know you have to pick a side. Mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like a lot of authors out there, one of the reasons I'm about a decade to 15, 20 years younger than many of my contemporaries, because we all hit that path at the beginning of adulthood when you're a creative person where you think, I either go left and I don't take it seriously and I come back to it in a decade or two when I've had a life and done other things, and I have enough stability to rediscover my passion, or I take the leap and I do it now. And there's probably sheer arrogance, maybe the fact I did have a literary agent, maybe the fact I've just always been a very, very stubborn person. I knew I didn't want to be the version of myself that returned to this in 20 years. And so I made myself sit down, and I wrote a book called The Near Witch, which would become my debut novel. There you go. All right. (laughs) There you go. There you go. And I I think that, you know, one of the things you find is a common trait in many of the most successful people is a certain level of arrogance and Mm -hmm. that kind of like propels you on through any, you know, self-doubt that you may have or any obstacles that may come your way. Just like this arrogance is like, oh, no. Well, absolutely. You have to believe in something before anyone else will as a creative person. You have to take it seriously before anyone else will. And I do think that requires a sense of belief in your own ability or in your own potential, because you're going to get so much rejection. You're going to get so much pushback that if you let 
the first breeze blow you over, you're not going to last very long. And so in a lot of ways, it's survival based on talent and based on luck, but also based on sheer stubbornness. And that stubbornness kind of has to come hand in hand with the belief that you deserve to be there. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And uh, she is started from the bottom. Now she's here, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) on Black Tribbles. We're talking to uh, author Victoria Elizabeth Schwab, V.E. Schwab to you, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Um, And actually, that's a very important distinction because you actually write – you know, now that you know, because you, you are an author, you're not just a book writer. I am. You're an author. <laughs> There's a difference. Um, you write for children, and you also have mm-hmm. an a, adult series. So, so you have like you know, you, you're living in both worlds there. Yeah, and, and I'll be very honest. So, I write as Victoria Schwab for children and teenagers, and then as V. E. Schwab for adults. And I think. The really PC answer is that, like, I wanted to make sure that children didn't accidentally pick up a book like Vicious Mm. because there's quite a large maturity gap. But I'm going to be very honest as well that I I write my largest audience is in adult science fiction and fantasy, and it's a a really sexist place. I mean, it has a very long tradition of believing that men can write one thing and women, women can write another. Women can write romance. Women can write children's. Women can write crime. And men write fantasy. Right. And mm-hmm. and it's it's astonishingly persistent, this notion. I mean, I'm considered now probably one of the most popular in my field, and I still get readers that come up to me at events, my own fans, right? They're coming to my events, and they say, oh, my God, I'm so glad I didn't know you were a woman. I never would have picked this up. Wow. Wow. People really? say that. Say, say that to your face? Yeah. yeah, they say it to my face, which I'm always like, gee. Wow. Thank you. But, but you know what? The thing is, and maybe this is just my slither in this coming out, but like, <laughs> I, I look at my name as a little bit of a Trojan horse and that I want somebody to pick up my book and judge the book, not judge the, the gender, judge any of their bias. And I would rather they pick up the book and love the book and then. If they, for some reason, do have an issue, then that's on them to deal with, not on right. me. But I would, I would hate the idea. I've always hated the idea of someone not picking up my book because of some idea of how my identity uh, contributes to my ability or lack thereof to create. I thought your name was Vincent Edward. <laughs> I'll be darned. You know, huh. a lot of people, a lot of people still think. But I mean, this is a very long tradition. I mean, it is. It uh, is. Like women have been posing as men for centuries in terms of literature. Yeah, and and then the the women that, you know, um, put their names out there, um, mm-hmm. uh, like you say, uh, sometimes they 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 get found and sometimes yeah. they're heralded, but uh, oftentimes they are they are overlooked. And even if their books or their works become very popular, then you have the old guard that yeah. are head of like, you know, like the 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 award houses and stuff like that that Absolutely. don't want to don't want to recognize them. I know that was always a trouble with um one of our like patron saints here on Black Tribbles, Octavia Butler. Oh, in, absolutely. In her time. Absolutely. But I mean, you've got Nora, you've got N.K. Jemison, you've got yeah. K.K. Rowling, you've got a ton of like incredible, you know, movers in their field. C.L. Polk, you've got, um, especially, I mean, you tend to see it with like, uh, obviously with women in general and then with intersections of different marginalizations. I feel like it becomes more and more prevalent because you've got people who just want to be treated based on their work and not based on 
some marker of their identity as the creator that they're not volunteering. You know, they want, sometimes they want you to know, and sometimes they want you to focus on the body of work itself. It depends on how much they want to be their own identity to be a part of the discussion. Amen. Oh, oh, we, we, we could talk about men, men. <laughs> men I, know. I, know. I have a lot of feelings. I have a lot of feelings about it. No, I don't, I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't blame you. I know that um, to a to a degree, uh, Ariel, our own amalgam triple here, mm-hmm. who is uh, a little bit of a of a name of uh, of our of our own. She is the only, well, I believe, the only East Coast owner, black woman that owns her very yeah. own comic book shop. Oh uh, man! Uh, <laughs> but you've come you up know against what I'm that talking type. about that Ariel. Say it again. <laughs> She says, you know what she's talking talking about. about. Oh, I do. It's it's so (laughs) funny. It's so funny because I I recently had an experience where, um, you know, I'm in the store behind the coffee bar. Um, Mm -hmm. A guy comes in. Um, I'm I'm assuming homeless or transient, but he was basically coming in because he was he wanted to do some odd jobs to make money. Yeah. Um, he never talked to me, the person actually behind the counter, to maybe (laughs) see if maybe I was the owner. But mm-hmm. randomly, like a customer walked in, white guy that just so happened to have like a laptop bag. And yeah. I see the guy say, oh, you look like you own the place. Can I do I some work? For- <laughs> and I'm like, he doesn't oh. own the place at all. And it was just funny because uh, it's one of my regulars. So he knows who I am. And he was just like, yeah. no, I don't know. Like he just was kind of very like he didn't make a thing of it. He just said, no, I don't own the place and, and went on about his business. But I just thought that was funny. So any yeah. random person off the street is potential owner. The person behind the counter, not it, which it was just funny. So, yeah, I definitely about fan culture, assumptions about who is a fan and who gets to who gets to be like a gatekeeper, who gets to be a part of it. It's, it's messy. Yeah. But we're changing it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Small steps, but, uh, well, I love it. I have to come into your store. I'm so excited. Oh yeah. We'd love to have you. Uh Oh, all right. All right. All right, ladies. All right, ladies. We're making future plans. I'm excited. All right, all right, all right. We'll give you our agent's information. We'll we'll make it happen. All right, your people will talk. All right. Um, We're talking with uh, Victoria Elizabeth Schwab, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Vengeful. She has. She has many books. I mean, like she has. This is how you know that you're. You're not just a book writer. You're an author because you literally have a section of the bookstore like you know how you can go to a bookstore and there's the stephen king section you know what i mean there's a ve schwab section at, of the it's bookstore she's, she's got tons of tons of books out we talked about shades of magic um and she had vicious which was her 2013 novel um she just put out the sequel to vicious uh Randy, I think you'll be intrigued by what this book is about. Give it to me. Victor and Eli, and I'm reading this straight from Wikipedia, so this is just a plot summary. Yeah. All right? Victor and Eli begin as college roommates and discover that near-death experiences under the right conditions can create superhuman abilities. When Victor tries to create his abilities, he accidentally kills... Eli's girlfriend. Dope. <laughs> <laughs> <I hate> spoiler. 
<laughs> Thus, Eli begins to believe that all those with powers are evil and begins a crusade to kill them all. That is that is the the plot for Vicious, the the sequel to Vicious, Vengeful, actually was uh, just released this uh, past September. Um, Victoria, what is yeah. wrong with you? What do you have against superheroes? <laughs> what is what is this? What what's going oh. on here? You know, I wrote Vicious back in 2013 simply because I wanted to see if I could write a book without any heroes and make readers still root for somebody. Mm. So I like it became this exercise. What I learned through the course of writing Vicious is that it's it's never actually about what we do. It's about why we do it. Right. It's about motivation. And it's about one of those reasons that world domination is kind of a hard thing for us to wrap our heads around because really uh, experience that on our daily basis, that desire. But we've all been slighted by somebody. We've all had a personal vendetta. Mm-hmm. And so it's about, I like to take kind of really big ideas, really cosmic disturbances, and make them intensely personal. And so Vicious is about this personal beef between Victor and Eli spilling out into kind of cataclysmic effect. And Vengeful is about um, three women uh, that the world has tried to take power away from and the different ways in which they, through supernatural abilities, begin to reclaim their space in the world. I feel like you need to talk to the writers of Game of Thrones. I know. I don't, don't even get me started. I feel like I'm going to kick off this real fast if I start going off about disappointment and women and the fact that maybe we should have had at least one, maybe one woman, one writer of color, one non-white man in the writer's room in the final season. Yeah. Right, right, right. It just shows. And I say that before I get start getting hate mail. Like I want to say, like I say that as a massive fan. There have been points in the show that I have loved more than I have loved things I had ever seen on television. Mm-hmm. And it's those high points which make the low points so frustrating. It's because when you see what a show is capable of, that then it becomes disappointing. Yeah, I think, I mean, there are a lot of people, I think, that are on board with you with that. It's, you just think about the years of your life you gave to it, and it's like, that's (sighs) what you gave me at the end. It's it's really frustrating. But I'm I'm super excited to, like, I, of course, have read some of your novels, but I'm excited to read the, um, uh, the, the, is it the villain series? Yeah, the villain series. Yeah, that, I'm just like, ooh. Because I didn't, I actually oh, did not know about thanks. that. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that's it's the vicious and the vengeful. Yes. Yeah. Well, I always say with Game of Thrones, it's like the thing that makes me angry is that that show could give me Battle of the Bastards, which is one of my favorite episodes, or like the destruction of the Sept. And it's like you put that 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 bar really high with right. those moments. Yeah. Right. And that's what makes such a vanilla ending so maddening. Because it's like I would rather, it's with, even with book reviews, you always say as an author, you'd rather get one in five stars than three. Like, mm-hmm. you want people to have strong reactions. I would have rather been viscerally angry at the show than leave it feeling like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, underwhelming. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel you on that. And and, and to your point, it, it also feels like, especially in the, in the character of Daenerys, who I think is yeah. the one who is, 
you know, wrong the most <sighs> by their writing. It's 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 because the more I've, I've thought about this, Ariel, I I really have literally got very angry this this week thinking finally well just we talked about it before and len was not giving me the rage that i needed i didn't like it i didn't like it but i actually have gotten very angry just thinking about how how much they they totally like just stripped away everything that was built up in that character over over the over the seasons and especially for it to be ripped away by i'm sorry two white men standing in a room talking to one another and then just like you know turn um looking at something a totally different way which it's it's, i'd argue they did most of the women on that show wrong like i i still refuse to believe aria is gonna walk stone cold killer face all the way into the red keep and then just turn around and be like never mind i'm good i'd rather live like we've been we've been training aria for an entire show for a moment i feel like that's a disservice to aria it's a disservice to cersei it's a disservice to i actually feel like as mad as i am about daenerys i am really really angry that cersei did not get a satisfying comeuppance in this that we literally see her skirt another character as she tiptoes <laughs> she does like, unsatisfying <laughs> moment in the world for me in the world oh, I mean, oh, there's man. a lot of dissatisfaction i feel like there's no world in which miss andre didn't try and take cersei off the off the edge with her right i said the same thing i said the same thing it's like you know she was so close you know you're gonna die anyway just grab her oh take your agency back like you like to have to have a character also i feel like i'm sorry i'm getting like real angry now but i feel (laughs) like you can't like there was no need to kill miss andre because like daenerys was already pissed you killed the dragon like what you're doing is actually diminishing both the dragon and miss andre yeah, by like just kind of ta- like adding those up. Also, yeah, Messenger would have just grabbed Percy, like just right over the edge. I feel like all of that gave agency to the wrong people in every single moment. I don't want to get started on Raisin Brand. I'm so. <laughs> that's a new one. That's a new one, and that's a keeper, Raisin Brand. <laughs> so angry. As a the thing is, I'm angry as a viewer. I watch a lot of television. I love. I love TV. I love movies. I love comics. So I'm angry as a viewer, but I'm so much angrier as a fantasy writer, guys. Like, oh, I'm I can so imagine. Angry. I can imagine that, yeah. Like fuming as a fantasy writer. Yeah, especially considering the, the world building that went into this, you know? Yeah. And for it to just yeah. be like, oh, I can I can imagine. Ooh. There's a lot of conspiracy theories that George is just like sitting in his in his like castle making notes on what not to do based on that final <laughs> season that he's just gonna put out that book and i mean he's he's built himself a a lot of potential uh That's but true. yeah it's frustrating i think what it really is interesting though is it shows you the difference between adaptation and creation mm. game of thrones was a show that could be very good at adaptation game of thrones was a show that was absolutely awful at creation when it ran out of its material oh that's true that is that's true because it was it it all started like mid midway to fourth season and definitely all Mm -hmm. after five it's yeah even the the i don't know if it was the tone but the pacing is what i want to say was different like everything felt rushed it was like what's happening you know what i mean and it was such a huge 
jump from what we had experienced the season before yeah. that it was obvious it was like ooh they're on their own they now. were rushing it but I don't understand why they were rushing it because they were apparently been offered ten episodes and they chose to have six yeah. like I will never understand why they rushed it the way they did but I also but, to be honest from the six that I saw. I wouldn't have trusted them with four more. I, I think like, I think the rumor is some Disney money was floating around. Uh, yeah, a couple uh, of them are, are working on. Uh, they're working on the next Star Wars. Star Wars stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she said, "Oof!" They were like, "All right, peace." But I mean, but that's still frustrating because bad. I feel like you're still doing a disservice to your fans by now because you have this other thing you just kind of blow yeah. through the project you're currently working on because that's like well that doesn't give me any confidence in anything else that you'll do because if you get Apparently. a better offer you're just going to blow through that too so why yeah. am I investing my time my money my energy to watch and consume what you've created Apparently the script supervisor was gone too because you saw the number of water bottles that were gone <laughs> <laughs> Did you get bottles? Well? Yes, the Starbucks cup heard round the world. The oh, number of water bottles at that, like, the dude bro council at the very end where they're all deciding, like, the fate of Westeros. Also, I still refuse to believe that Yara Greyjoy doesn't go after Sansa decides she wants her own kingdom. But Yara Greyjoy and the Dorne dude, the really hot new Dorne dude, aren't just like, yeah, we'll be in on that. Like, we'll just want to do our own thing. Yeah. Like, I would have found it so much more interesting if they all just separated. And they were like, actually, I think based on how this went. Like we're we're just gonna do us for a little while. I said the same thing. Like 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 look at Sansa. Sansa's like no. I know. Like I hear all of y'all. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> I need mine. Okay. I love you, bruh. I love you, bruh. But uh, I'll yeah. be here. Uh, uh, Bran's like limpid moment where he's like, "Why do you think I came back?" I was like, "Bran." Shut up. Like, literally, you've done nothing. You didn't even let us see you warmed into the dragon. Like, what is your point? What, what is, is your his point? point? Also, okay, last point. I swear to God, it's my last point. <laughs> when they're like, we're going to dismantle the dangers of heredity or whatever, like, about, like, succession, mm-hmm. we're just going to ignore the fact that the three-eyed raven lived, like, a thousand years. Right. So, like, we're just going to ignore the fact that Bran is now going to sit on that throne for a thousand years. Well, they don't. I don't think they really understand that. All the rest of them, you know. Well, of course not. That was back in, like, season three. Right. They they didn't believe in dragons until. And there's still a dragon flying around out there. Just doing whatever he's doing. I'm going north. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, uh, um, oh, Oh, wow. Um, some, We've gone off course. I'm sorry. So, somewhere, I really have a lot of feelings. No, this has been great. Some, yes. Somewhere, <laughs> yeah, this has been great. I'm, I'm enjoying it. But somewhere, Victoria's publicist is like, oh my god, back to the book. <laughs> back to the book. Yeah, they just mentioned vengeful, vengeful. I know, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> vengeful sorry. and. Just, how about this? If you're disappointed by the Game of Thrones ending and you feel like the women in that book were done wrong in that show were done wrong, check out my book. Check out Vengeful, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Vengeful. This is the revenge for all of you Game of Thrones fans. <laughs> that is that's what Vengeful is for. Because this yeah. is this is about three women and they're trying they're trying to take it from them and they're not having it. They, yeah. They exactly. are they are gonna exactly. buck wild. It's like what? Mm-mm, no. They've got their agency the whole time. Oh, man. And, and you heard Victoria, so, you know, they got agency up the wazoo. Is it- yeah, they are making a lot of choices. Not all of them good, but at least they own them the whole time. Nice. And that is that is Vengeful, the sequel to Vicious, out on tour books. 
It is out now, ladies and gentlemen. Get it. V.E. Schwab. <laughs> Victoria Elizabeth Schwab. She is a beast. Steel Prince is available in comic book stores um, now. Now, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> trust me. Trust me. And, and when we get off the phone... Ariel will have her people on the phone with Victoria. <laughs> She'll be coming to Philadelphia. She'll come for a signing. It'll be insane. I, I see all of this happening. They're going to sit down, have a writing session. They're going to write a whole... Oh, it's going talk to be, about everything that's wrong. <laughs> everything that's wrong. Yeah, they're probably going to go on some kind of whole thing about Yaria. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be insane. All right, Victoria, the, the time has come now, though, for you to join the Tribble Nation and to do that, as we ask all of our fans and guests on our show, you must adorn yourself with a Tribble designation that indicates where your, where your geek lies. Now, 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 you grew up a huge Harry Potter fan, would you say? And I know, I, 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 and I, and I, and I, so I heard you slipping that Slytherin in there. Oh, I am. We know how you live. So I am. so is is it fair to say that you know when it comes to your geekiness that like Harry Potter that that's like that's where your heart is I would say I would say it owns a fair portion of my heart okay. yeah okay okay yeah all right but I've thought about this this triple moniker a lot I've taken it very very seriously all and right. and because I write for children and I write for teens and I write for adults because I write fantasy and I write sci-fi and I write comics, I think that I would like my my triple moniker to be Triple Threat. Oh, is do we already have a triple threat? We don't have a triple threat. <gasps> oh, thank God. <laughs> we don't have a triple threat. We don't. I was just about to say. You know what? I can't believe that we don't have a triple threat, but we don't. I went for the low-hanging fruit. I'm so glad that everybody else rose higher than me. <laughs> we don't. We have a triple play, but we don't have a yeah. triple. Oh, okay. yeah. We don't have a triple okay. threat. But we do now. Nice. Yeah. But it is not official. Not yet. Not yet. Not until you take the triple oath of allegiance now the i can do this the master triple he is uh, who, who is the creator of our uh, said oath is not here um he is out um he wants to make himself better and go to school for a couple of weeks so um you know <laughs> allowed allowed yeah i guess uh you you would love him because he has a wizard beard you would love that master uh -oh. um but randy our returning yes. triple tonight I will ask him to lead you in the Triple Oath of Allegiance. Okay. All right. V.E. Schwab, here's what I need you to do. I need you to just repeat after me. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I'm a triple furry. I'm a triple <laughs> true. You, is the first part, I'm a triple furry? Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm a triple furry. I'm a triple true. From the way I roll... From the way I roll. To the way I coo. To the way I coo. So shall it be said, so shall it be done. <laughs> Victoria Elizabeth Schwab is now and forevermore known in Tribble Nation as Triple, Triple Threat. 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 I am so honored. I, I am so honored. Oh my God, that is that is that is dope. That yeah, is that's very dope. That is <laughs> very dope. Um, if people want to, because the Tribble Nation, they will shout out. At, 
shout out to you. So if people yeah. want to get in touch with you, they want to find out more about uh, your all of your books, Shades of Magic, say, Vicious, and, and Vengeance. Yeah. And uh, she's got tons of books, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, books upon books upon books um, and more <laughs> coming. She's got more. You're going to be writing for like the more. next few few years. I was reading about the, the books to come. I'm like, jeez. I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Hey, well, you know, strike where the fire is hot. I do not blame you. I do not blame you. (laughs) Yeah, because I think I know, did I notice that one of your books actually was uh, um, optioned for? Yeah, it's in development now for film. It was Vicious, wasn't it? Well, Vicious is, uh, no, it's Shades of Magic. Oh, Shades of Magic. That's what it was. It was Shades of Magic. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Shades of Magic's in development right now. Oh, that's so, dope. Congratulations. Very dope. Thank you. Oh wow! Well, you know, Game of Thrones is over, and uh, I know that's what I keep telling them. <laughs> you know, and, and and I've seen a trailer for his Dark Materials. This is all right, but it's an old story. You know, let's get some. Yeah, new. it is. We need some new blood. Let's get some new blood. Let's get some get some Schwab life <laughs> yeah. in this yeah, triple threat. <laughs> all right. Okay, so but if people want to uh, find out more information about yeah. you, what's the best way to do that? I live inside the internet, but the, probably the easiest ways to find me are on Twitter and Instagram, and it's just V Schwab, V E Schwab. So just V E S C H W A B. There you go. Can't miss me. Okay, I I, I truly hope um, that. Well, I I know it's going to happen when you come to Philadelphia. Yeah. I hope that you uh, will be able to spend some time to sit down and talk live in person we didn't even get into like to the whole personals and you've had like huge changes in your life over the last few yeah. years that we didn't talk about i know i'll have to save it for in person we got too distracted game of thrones is too fresh the wound is still bleeding, still bleeding yeah. yes, exactly it's, it's, but i'll be healed a little bit more by the time i get there in person there you go there you go uh, <laughs> victoria this has been so much fun thank you so very much Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. You take care. You be sweet. All right. Thank you much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> have a good night. Have a good night. It's just like that, ladies and gentlemen. That was cool. That was awesome. That was that was really dope. She's good. Good people. Right. Yes. I'm waiting on the three of y'all to just go down to the HBO studios and start, start setting stuff on fire. Well, you know it's going to happen. You, you, you know it's going to happen. Uh, look. Look, and you were you were right, Ariel. That villain series, which is what Vengeful is, vicious and vengeful. That's the villain series. It looks hot. Yeah, yeah. I'm like so excited because I knew about Shades of Magic and have read Shades of Magic, but I did not know about those books. And I was like, this just sounds like something that I would enjoy. There you go. Uh, you're listening to WPPMLP Philadelphia. We're having a good time here on Black Tribbles, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we just, oh wow, we're way past the top of the hour. Sorry, Vanessa. <laughs> but Kennedy is not here, so we we can't do we can't do this week in geek history, but we do have this very special year in geek history. But before we do that, we have something very special for you. Triple Nation, it is the homeless Triple. Kicked out of her garden and still looking for a place to call home. <laughs> I am here today with a, a very special 
uh, quote unquote reading suggestion. This is more of a watching suggestion. Um, just nothing uh, that came out this week really uh, grabbed me. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I want to be genuine in whatever I present to you. And so since nothing really jumped out at me, I didn't really have anything to suggest to you. However, there is a TV show that is not a new TV show. I mean, I guess it is new, but it's not like it's the first season has wrapped. But I just found out about it and um, have been binging it. And that uh, it's a show that's on uh, the CBS what is their app called? CBS All Access. CBS All Access. So uh, you can only get the show if you if you subscribe to that. But I will say um, it is worth it. There's uh, the Star Trek Discovery, the new Twilight Zone, as well as this show, which is called Tell Me a Story. And I really <clears throat> love it. First of all, as a uh, Vampire Diaries fan, uh, it's the return of Stefan. Um <laughs> But not as Stefan Paul Wesley, right? The um, actor, the actor is uh, is in this show, and I think uh, you a very different character than we've seen him play in the Vampire Diaries. Um, and I think you know, just kind of showing his acting chops, showing that he can be more than the, I guess, like the the uh, tortured teenage immortal. Um, and then, like for me. I, I want to. I'm looking up her name to make sure I say it correctly. Uh, this actress, <clears throat> give me one second, Dania Ramirez. I think I'm saying that right. Okay. Um, so she, we've seen her in things like she, she played Maya Herrera in Heroes. Um, she was the woman who would have like the black gunk or whatever that would come oh, yeah, out of her yeah, eyes yeah, and, and her twin brother would help her turn it off but she yeah, could kill you yeah. that way um, <clears throat> she played Alex in Entourage which I'm not familiar with because I've never seen Entourage uh, I did Yeah, I have not um, she played Callisto in The Last Stand we will forgive her for that um, <laughs> uh, she was in Devious Maze and most recently uh, the seventh season of uh, Once Upon a Time she played Cinderella mm -hmm. in that rebooted universe but you've never seen Dania until you've seen her in this like she um, I don't want to give away which uh, character she is well let me preface with, with, with this uh, tell me a story everything is based on fairy tales so this particular season this first season is focused around three different fairy tales um, and so the question now is as the series continues is it going to be an anthology where we get uh, different uh, stories moving into the next seasons or is it going to be a continuation with these stories or is it an anthology like in, in America, American Horror Story form where it's different stories but same characters, you know, uh, doing different roles. So there's a there's a lot of like speculation in the in the fan community about what the next seasons will look like. But without giving away who she is in this first season, because that's part of the fun of the show. You're trying to figure out who's who's who and who's what and what story do they belong to. Right, because it's set in real world. Because it's set in real world. It's set in New York. There's right. no... Um, it's not like uh, Once Upon a Time where you're flashing back to some past world where they were actually these... Uh, these uh, fairy tale characters it's like no they're they are who they are but their stories are 
line up with with fairy tales that we know um but in in her story she is just so bad bleepity bleep 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 (laughs) like Every time it would get to a point where she had to fight with somebody, I would have to, like, get ready. Because she was given hands. Like, her really? fight scenes in that show are magnificent. And, you know, I, I always, I like my women strong and with weapons. And she never dis- disappoints. It's like, because even if she was gotten one fight and you just see her square up. And I was like, oh, this is, I was like, something's about to happen. Like, like she's not going to, you're not just going to come and overpower her it's not going to be she barely escapes with her her life no she's about to give you hands so it's about to be a fair fight and it was just every time i was i was like yes her fights are so much fun so if if no other reason if you like like a good fist knife fight check it out but yeah i i like i finished it a couple weeks ago i've been thinking about it i'm like i wish i hadn't finished all of it i'm like excited for the new season um, and again, if you have CBS All Access, it's all there. You can just binge it. Um, but definitely, 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 I would. And it's not recommend. long. I think it's like what, like thirteen episodes. Like, I think it's only ten episodes. Okay. And, okay. The, and the episodes are an hour. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's not you know less time than you spent watching Game of Thrones um, <laughs> for it to be let down. Um, <laughs> this will not let you down. At least it didn't let me down. I don't think it'll let you down. Tell me a story. Check it out. Oh, and the other thing that I really just appreciated. The opening sequence is beautiful. Like the music, because it's like this. Oh, like the opening credits? Yeah, the opening credits. It's like this haunting, melancholy, but very fairy tale esque tune. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the, the imagery and the artwork, uh, because it's almost, um, I want to say, kind of stop motion a little bit, but with like. Uh, with, with paint, painted art. So okay. it's like it, it, the, the characters look painted and then sometimes they move and then they stop. Like it's, it, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm um, describing it correctly by saying stop motion. So those of you who are, who are well-versed in animation, please check it out and let me know if I'm using the wrong term. But even just the opening, I would just, like I would stop what I was doing to watch the opening because it was so beautiful. Like I just, ugh, everything about the show. Check it out. Tell me a story available on CBS All Access, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're listening to this overseas, I believe um, because here in America, it's only available on CBS All Access. Yeah. And oh, and that's the other thing, because it is, you know, kind of doing something different than Once Upon a Time did. It is not all ages friendly. So there there are grown up things happening. So just keep that in mind, even though it's fairy tales, it's not for the little ones. Um, but I think that was also part of the fun of course, because they because right. they would they would just go there as opposed to tiptoeing around it like yeah. Cersei. Yeah. Uh, but I think <laughs> if you're overseas, you actually can see it um, the, the entire season. I think it's also available in net on Netflix overseas. Oh, I, think okay. that, I think that's the deal that um, CBS All Access worked out because I know there are fans of Star Trek Discovery, which is on CBS All Access here here who watched the first season on Netflix because they're overseas. So they watched it on... on. I'm overseas too, Netflix. I'm sure you are. I mean, or CBS. It's like, Dag, hook hook me up. (laughs) Dag, all right. Yeah, it's... um, I'm... I checked out a couple of episodes of Tell Me a Story when it first started because um, Dorian Missick um, has been on a few episodes there. And he... Yeah, he... Again, I don't want to give it away, but... Yeah, he's something to see. 
Yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, what is going on? Especially because I know that you're cool with him. And but to see him in this role, it's like, I'm unsure about you, sir. <laughs> I have feelings. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, like nobody disappoints in this. I, yeah, see it. Let us know what you think. All right, check it out. Tell me a story, ladies and gentlemen. Available right now on CBS All Access. Um, the, the whole season is first up there season. Yep. Uh, for your binge, and I think the second season is going to be starting soon. I believe. Yeah. Um, yep. Okay. Up. Yeah. First season. There were ten episodes. I'm trying to see if they have any information on the second. Uh, well, on December 17, 2018, it was announced that the series had been renewed. Right. Uh, so they're probably going to be putting it together. So the second season. So now's the time to, to, to check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Ch- check out those 10 episodes. Uh, tell me a story. CBS All Access. Thank you, Ariel. Thank you, Len. All right. I appreciate you very much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to WPPMLP, Philadelphia. Um, okay. I got to take the pin out of real quick. Uh, John Wick 3. Yes. Parabellum. I saw it today. Keanu Reeves, Holly Berry, Ian McShane. Love myself some Ian McShane. Um, Sadly, no common. I'm still upset about You know about what? That. I kept I kept waiting for common to walk in. I was very surprised. I was surprised too. It's like, was he busy? Because it's like, I was definitely like, this is going to be crazy because he definitely didn't kill him. I was like, common going to be like, ha, ha, ha. Right. I, yeah, and I didn't know because it was like at the you know this this is a crazy world, this assassin world. So I was like, the next time we see Common, he might be a friend. That's what I w- I was expecting that to happen too because I don't want to give spoilers, but there was an opportunity. There was an opportunity to where where kind of like a, a flip maybe happens, and I was expecting okay, here's Common. Right. Like like uncredited Common's going to walk out, and I'm like, oh no, this is is another brother. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um. Maybe you know, he's still stuck on the train. <laughs> maybe he is. Um, I enjoyed the movie, but there was some, and and, and uh, we had talked about it a little bit earlier. And you had mentioned how you liked Halle Berry in this movie, and I did like. She her. was really fun in this movie, and she I was. and it was believable. Like I believed it, and I thought like her scenes. Um, like again, how much are we giving away? We're not giving away stuff. Well, we don't want to give away spoilers, but. It's fair to say that a lot of her scenes are in the trailer. Yes. A so. lot of her scenes are in the trailer. Yeah, and she um, has some canine assistance. Yes. Which was fun. Like it was, it was fun. just it was just fun. And I, and again, I I feel like I haven't seen a movie with Holly Berry in a long time. She looks great mm-hmm. as she as she always does. Um but yeah, but it was just I just it thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed her in this role. Yeah. Um I feel like more so than I have in in stuff she's done, I guess, most recently. Me too. And again, it was just, it was like believable. It was like really fun watching her, you know, in John, in true John Wick shot, as a true John Wick style, headshot, 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 headshot. It yes. was like, I'm sorry, this is a good time. Yes. yes. <laughs> and another believable part I, I liked about it is that Keanu Reeves or, or John Wick. Jonathan. Is, Jonathan, or we actually learned his real name in this movie. Well, I'm not going to give it away, but yeah. you learned his actual name. Um, uh, he Jamal, I think it is. Right? <laughs> Jamal Jones. It's act, it's actually Jermaine Jackson. Uh, <laughs> wow. Oh, okay. But um, you 
he is very much, you know, his age in this movie. Like, he is. From the way that he runs, because he runs kind of labored and a little little bit. I mean, like, he still is John Wick, like, like he's a beast John Wick. He's John Wick, but he even had, he had dad bod. Because yes. I was actually surprised when uh, there is a scene where he is uh, taking off his shirt Um and you know he's beat up like he he's taking hits in this movie but i was like oh i was just i was surprised because you're so used to seeing like everybody being so chiseled Mm -hmm. that the fact that he wasn't and it wasn't a thing like he's still john wick i thought that was i thought that was cool i i I, I said you see that movie if you need confidence for your beach body this summer (laughs) just do you where would you want that's true (laughs) that's true but there was a point I do have to say in watching it and, and, and in true John Wick style, tons of action in the movie, tons of action. So I love that. But but there was a point where the action. I got a little numb to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it was a lot going on. Oh, man, we're not spoiling. But I will. There was one part where I was like, what? John Wick crazy. But yeah, because I mean, this movie was. I mean, I guess all of the movies are go, but I do feel like this was go in a very different way because yeah. because I think because everybody is the enemy. Right. So the fighting just never stops. It's not like, oh, I'm on neutral ground, so now we're gonna have a conversation. It's like from start to finish, it's fight, fight, fight. Yes. Um and and I I would agree with that. But I mean, they did get creative with it. There was one scene that I did have to turn away from. Oh um, really? Oh it, that the knife? No, the library. Oh, I love the library. Oh, I, 76er fans will be very happy because Boban is a 76er. That, 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 that tall guy, he's a 76er. Yeah, I knew he was. I was like, I think he plays sports. <laughs> but I didn't know. Yes, he's actually a Philadelphia 76er. Okay. Uh, Boban Vavarovich. Yeah, okay. There you go. Um, I love that scene. No, like when the... So, I mean, it's, it's 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 brutal. Yeah, it is brutal. And I feel like the, the part with the book was akin to curbing. Oh, you know what yes, I mean, and yes. I can't. Oh. After like American History X, mm. I mean, and not that's a horrible thing to do to somebody. But after American History X, I was like, I never want to see anything like that again. So I actually, I could see it coming, and I actually turned away from that. From that, I, I watched most of the fight, but when it got to that part, I was like, no. I feel I, you. I feel yeah, you. that's it. Was just a little bit too much. I got you. Even in the even in the enjoyment of of violent things, that <laughs> Ariel does have a line. <laughs> And it's like, and they crossed it there. They crossed that. They line. crossed it. It was it, but it, it's it's. If you like the the nonstop action, it's dope. It's got uh, a lot of a couple of the guys who who are in a lot of the um oh I believe they're Korean oh no uh, I think, action movies yeah so the one guy with the ponytail he's yes. like darker skin he was in I can I can't remember the name of the movie and I think it was Korean about the police officer that he was gets in a raid. stuck he was the, in raid. A raid. the raid he was the guy that would not die because yes. yes. I was like when I saw him I was like you because I just was like die <laughs> I was like that man won't die and, yes and he didn't die here either. You know what? Now, now you remember him. You right, and he didn't, and it was kind of cool, right? Yeah, it was actually cool. There were actually a couple of guys from that movie, but he's the one that most people recognize. Because I just, I because I remember because you when you the raid is really like 
you are scared because yes. it's like this something could happen to him like you know the, the character that we're following so when you know there were parts in that movie where it's like you got him and that man wouldn't die I was like just die yes. <laughs> he's won let him win so yeah. I just remember that so I remember his face I was like that's the man that wouldn't die I don't even know his name and you know how how um, cool that dude was how much of a G he was he basically I think is left for dead in the raid Mm-hmm. But the scene is so vicious, they bring him back in the sequel. What? I never saw the sequel. The sequel is a lot more story, but it's it's just as killer violent um, action. They bring him back in the in the sequel to like, you, you, dude, you're not done. Like, and and it's and he's has another epic scene. Wow. Okay. Oh, he's he's he's, he's a beast. He's. he's I love the raid. The raid is my favorite action movie of all time. Really? Yes, yes, yes. And, and like the raid two is like maybe number three. Like, I mean, they both are just insane. insane. So anyway, so but John Wick, <laughs> what were your ultimate feelings on John Wick? You liked it or no? I did like it. It was fun. Like I said, there. So there was the one part that I thought was a a little much as far as just you know my line, my violence line. Right. right um, right. I do feel like it could have been a little bit shorter yeah um especially for how it ends and i just felt like well if you were going to do that you should have made this one a little bit shorter just to kind of get us to that place sooner yeah um but there i mean but there was there was some fun stuff i mean lawrence fishburn's always fun and it is fun to see them together because i you know i I'm right, waiting for him to say, show me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and, 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 it, and it, but it, it also, I think the scene where they're together and you see an older Keanu Reeves and we've seen his dad body and you're seeing an older Lawrence Fishburne and then it makes you remember how long ago The Matrix was. It was yes. like, because, I mean, uh, Lawrence Fishburne was an adult man then. And now, I mean, but he's just older now. And it's just like, holy crap. Yeah, The, the Matrix the, was a long time ago. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne in the, in the uh, Matrix is probably the best shape he ever was in. Like, Well, that's care. not true. No, sir. Because he, <laughs> I'm uh, Cornbread Earl in me. <laughs> No, sir. I think he was still Larry Fishburne then. Yeah, he was, <laughs> yeah. he was Larry up until uh, Deep Cover. I think Deep Cover was his last Larry movie. Oh, interesting. I don't think I've ever seen Deep Cover. Oh, that's an that's amazing movie. movie. Who else is in it? Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, so um, me and Kennedy likes it. Uh, <laughs> wow. What's the what's the the cop? Oh, I, I, I it's Clarence. Clarence Williams III. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that's an amazing movie. So I don't think I'm not even thinking of the right thing. You thinking of Hoodlum? You know what? No, I think part of me. What's the movie where it was? Um, uh, Michael Absent. Not Mike Apps. I'm sorry. Uh, Omar Apps. Omar Apps. Thank you. And uh, Al Cool J. Wasn't that that was Undercover or something? Where. Omar Epps Omar is the undercover cop, and like uh, LL Cool J is the drug kingpin. And LL he, Cool J is a drug what? kingpin. Yeah, no, I know y'all seen this movie. Nope, no, I do not nope. know a movie of where. Yeah, no, but it was called something like Cover or something. Let me, I'm looking it up. I, I would never cast LL Cool J. No, but I thought. I mean, I like that movie. I thought he was only if he's selling chapstick. Like if he's running chapstick on the block. All right, LL could be he could be the kingpin of that. I'm not. No, I'm you not gotta. Sure. Okay, wait, wait, wait. 
Well, they in too deep. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, I've in never seen deep. that. I mean, I guess 1999 uh, crime thriller film directed by Michael Reimer. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. And LL is the bad guy. LL is the bad guy. Wow. I. I, uh, I well, I guess. So do. Uh, he is soon given the task of taking down statewide crack dealer Dwayne Gittin, Gittins, Gittins, <laughs> LL Cool J, an underworld boss so powerful that his nickname is God. Statewide crack dealer. <laughs> what is this? Okay. I like, I is like this? Into Deep, though. I like it. That sounds it. like a job. <laughs> <laughs> What do you do for a living? I, I work for the state. I'm the state's crack dealer. Oh, okay. All right. Dope. 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 He drives like a state car. It's got MG on the plates. Oh, yeah. No. He going to corners, giving out certificates. <laughs> what you guys are I? doing well. You guys are doing good. I'm, uh, there you go. Just got to make sure. You, you want to sweep, sweep up those vials, young man? <laughs> got to make sure everybody's got their licenses. I hate y'all. <laughs> no, it sounds interesting. Look, sometimes. Well, actually, y'all, I must say, Michelle Mission needs to review it because it is a black film. You know, we do. So some, some. And I'll be there. As a matter of fact, <laughs> have you done Deep Cover yet? Uh, no, we have not done Deep Mine. Cover. Mine. Is Deep Cover a black movie? Oh, yeah. Yes. That's oh, a very Even with Jeff Goldblum? Well, it's, I mean, the blacks are the stars. Oh. <laughs> The blacks. <laughs> this is about the blacks today. So I don't know about the rest of y'all, but this is about the blacks. Oh, so you I want a t-shirt just says the blacks. <laughs> the blacks. The blacks. Um, so you're claiming deep cover, uh, Randy? Yes. You know, you've claimed like about five movies. So every as soon as I, whenever I claim them, somebody wants somebody wants to watch it. <laughs> but no, nobody's watching deep cover without me. I we actually have movie. to review um in two weeks we gotta review uh Crush Groove. Oh, that's an amazingly bad movie. That's not oh, bad. No. Movie. Oh, I was about to say, let Mike get up out his chair on that one. It's not a I was bad about to movie. move back up. No, Vince will get out of his chair. <laughs> he don't talk bad about his Sheila E. But um, oh, oh. <laughs> make sweet love to <laughs> Sheila E. Yes, I I'll never forget that. Yeah, we we realized that we kind of reviewed it when we did the screening at Amalgam, but we actually didn't. Record it so it hasn't been done. So we have to review uh, Crush Groove for Black U- Black Movie Black Music, Music. Month. In Ju- this is not the Michelle Mission. This is Black Triple, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. We we, we just got off on a tangent. Um, we just given um, given Len and Vince their assignments. What is expected <laughs> exactly. of them and who is expected to be in the room when these things happen? Okay, so yep. Randy's going to do deep cover. And you're going to do into, into deep. All right. Well, then you know what? Then what we have to do is find at least uh, a, a movie for. Well, Eric hasn't been on yet either, um, and and we'll bring back Kennedy, and then we'll we'll do a month of triples. Oh. Dope. So, we, Dope. So, so we've got to find a month when Randy's going to be here. That might not be until 2022. <laughs> um, and then we'll we'll make it happen. Okay. Dope. Cool. All right. I am pleased. <laughs> well, then my job is done. It All right, we got 20 minutes to talk about Batman. Thank you. Yes. What? Uh, the new Batman? No. Batman. In- 1989 Batman is 30 years old. Oh. Yeah. It is 30 years old. It came out in uh, June of 1989. Batman starring Michael Keaton, 
Jack Nicholson, Kim Basinger, um, and was a phenomenal. Oh my god! Phenomenal hit changed the world of superhero movies now forevermore yes superman back in 1978 made you believe that a man could fly but batman made you believe that a man could swing from a swing from a rope and make 300 million dollars so that's what that's what uh made hollywood stand up and sing that was the first thing i I remember cutting school for. Yes, me. What? Yes. I I went to school in Roxborough, and me and my homies walked from from Saul to Andorra to go see Batman, and I was amazed by that movie. That is the movie. Blew me away. I'm I'm old enough to say that I wasn't in school, but uh, (laughs) but that is the movie that. Um, and you got to remember, for for you youngins, this is pre-internet. This is pre-even home computers. So that is the movie I was working at that time. And literally everybody at my job was telling me they they were telling me, well, Len, we know you're not coming in on Friday. (laughs) Like they knew that I was not going to be there because I had to be at the movies for Batman. Were you in all your Batman regalia? You know what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. First of all, first of all, what people don't understand, especially now in 2019, where, with all due respect to the, to um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all of their heroes, and with all due respect to Superman, in 2019, you think of superheroes, I'm sorry, Batman is king. Like, everybody loves Batman, right? It, 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 it's, it's, I mean, even if, even if he's not your favorite, he's usually one of somebody's favorite. That's how ubiquitous he, he is. In 1989, Batman... It, Batman was popular, but he wasn't Batman mm-hmm. at that time. You know what I mean? He was on his way to being it in 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 the comic book world because by then you had had uh, the Dark Knight Returns had come out and everybody just went, uh, you know, uh, like, oh my god, this is just like incredible, you know. And um, and I think Batman, did, Randy, did Batman Year One come out or by year then? Year One came out in eighty. 80, 87. Yeah, 80, c- c- yeah, because because Dark Knight Returns was eighty six. Right, so I think it was like yeah, 80, 80, 80, 87, 87, 88. 88. So 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 Batman Year One. So by then, like Frank Miller had reshaped Batman. So in, in like in the hero world, Batman could like do no wrong. And then when you had this movie hit, it was like like I said, this is pre internet days. Everybody was a buzz for it, yeah. and the Batman the Batman uh, symbol was everywhere. Like, so to answer your question, did I have on Batman stuff? I didn't know what to wear. I had so much Batman stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, like, because before it came out, there were T-shirts everywhere. People were getting the bat symbol cut into their hair. Yeah, hair, yeah. Um, it was the socks, the shoes, the jackets. Batman was everywhere, and this was bef- this was months before the movie came out because the commercials just sold it so. Because you didn't ha- you didn't have YouTube looking at the trailer, so you only had the commercials or going to the movies to see the trailer, and it was you were like, oh my god! Yeah. And this was one of the first movies. Like they didn't even do this with Superman. This was one of the first movies that was sold as far as a movie poster. It was just the symbol. 
Mm-hmm. It was the symbol and summer. That was it. And you were there. You had to be there. You, 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 you had to be. I Yo. feel this conversation makes me feel really young. When, Eight, the, when did this movie come out? 1989. Yeah. I was six. It was cast. So I didn't feel strongly about like I and I saw it and now I'm like, should I have been seeing it at six? I don't know. But um <laughs> I tell you the, the the parenting in the eighties well, it wasn't it's, it, no, it's it was, not a rated R movie. PG, I think. Oh, okay. Cause it's, I I knew uh songs from Purple Rain by heart as a baby. Yes. Oh, wow. So so so, yeah. so it's one of those things that's just like, should I have been watching that? Yeah, Purple It's Rain like came the eighties. I don't know what the parents were doing in the eighties, but not always paying attention. But yeah, so I remember it coming out and I saw it and I liked it. I remember thinking, Oh, this was you know, I like this movie, but it's interesting to hear your takes on it because it wasn't it definitely wasn't that for me. I know three cats that had Batman symbols cut into the back of their heads. One of them even had it painted. Uh, oh, no, that's how real it was. It was it was like that, and we when we took that day. We was like, we are out. We went to school, and then at lunchtime we just dipped. We're like, peace. Yep. And I remember watching it, and just being really, really impressed by the whole. I don't know where they shot it, but wherever it was, the sun didn't exist. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It, it rained every day of the shoot, and if it didn't rain, they just threw water on everything. Like, but it was. But the, well, it was shot on sound stages. But the the look of it all. Oh was, yeah. was just magnificent. Tim Burton, the director. Um, I still say that the those are two of his best movies. Yeah. Um, it, it the the uh, Anton first, who, who was the set designer who created the whole design of Gotham. City for those movies, which really even shows off, I believe, even more in the second movie. Um, but it's he, it, his DNA that he he uh, put into Gotham City was so strong that the comic books adopted it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you know, th- they would later on try to adopt the costume, but they adopted his whole look for Gotham City straight on. Like the whole yeah. thing about the narrows and all that type of stuff. Yeah, that's all him. That's all him. That's all from his design work for that first movie. You know, um, I, I, I it, it's interesting. One of the, one of these things, you know, I, I read uh, Back Issue Magazine, which mm-hmm. is a story about you know comic book history and they just did this month is a uh, commemorative book about the movie and one of the things that I didn't know so you know Jack Nicholson played played the Joker he was playing hard to get to be the Joker right Um, so uh, ultimately ultimately he wound up getting not only more money than Michael Keaton oh wow but he his name is actually above Michael Keaton well I mean but it's Jack Nicholson I mean not like that but no, Jack Nicholson was definitely the star. Yeah. He, he's the bigger star. But he was playing hard to get. So what they did was uh, they made a last-ditch ditch effort. They uh, went out and signed somebody else. They signed Timothy Curry, who, who played It in the original um, oh, Stephen oh, King, okay. uh, It. Um, and it is also from uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I don't know if you ever saw that. Right. Yeah. He's also from Clue. And he's yeah. also from Clue, right. That's, I knew him from Clue first. I, I should have known. I'm sorry. Um, which I love. I love Clue. Uh, so they signed him to be to be the Joker. Okay. 
Uh, and he ha- and when they signed him, Jack Nicholson said, oh, you guys are serious. All right. And he signed on the dotted line. But oh. meanwhile, Timothy Curry, he had a pay or play contract. So even though Jack Nicholson ultimately did it, they still had to pay Tim Curry. That's yeah. how you know. But here's the thing. I He would have been too many clowns. It's like you got too much clown history. <laughs> well, he, he had... He hadn't he been. Oh, he can't. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh, it came after. Yeah, I think. I it, thought it was. It probably. I thought it was in the eighties. It, it, it's probably about eighty nine, ninety. Okay. Yeah, yeah around so the same time. It was around think. the yeah. same time, and, and, and who knows? Maybe he, you know, like, hey, well, sure, I'll do it because I've got this Joker money, <laughs> right? So, you know, so it's like I already got the white paint. I was ready. Right. Right. Well, side note, because I know, um, for me. You know, I do think Jack Nicholson was a good Joker, mm-hmm. but in my X Men mind, I was always like, man, if they would have made an X Men, then he would have been a perfect Wolverine. You think Jack Nicholson in nineteen eighty nine could have been Wolverine? He's he was he was already a little old. He was like in his probably like late forties. Yeah, I mean, okay, like Logan is Logan's older. True. And I feel like even how they draw him in comics now, you know, he's spry Mm -hmm. because he's older than Xavier, but he he looks about 40 to me. So then saying that, do you then not like Hugh? Oh, no, I love Hugh Jackman. I said if X-Men was made (laughs) in the 90s, no, I do think I do think Jack Nicholson would have been an awesome choice. And I I mean, that would have just been fun to see. But I mean, other than Hugh Jackman being technically too tall to play Logan, everything else is just spot, spot on. on. And again, Logan, if you had any question about that, see Logan and it'll clear all that up. That's Because um, that was just, yeah. So, I mean, not saying take anything from Hugh Jackman, but I think Jack Nicholson could have been would have been fun in that role as well. Is, is Michael Keaton the best Batman? I don't know if, I mean, so, okay. I liked Val Kilmer. (laughs) 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 I laugh because I know nobody else agrees with me, but I was going through a Val Kilmer phase, and his Batman, I guess that was Batman Returns. Batman. Batman Forever. forever. Yeah, Batman Forever. That was my favorite one just because it would have Val Kilmer in it. I hear you. Look, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, the one with George Clooney. Oh, no, I didn't like that. But they both have their fans. They do. Because you have to remember, for for some kids, that's their Batman when they grew up. You know, that's the Batman that they knew. And... But it, I just think George Clooney was never a good choice oh, no, to George play. Clooney, he was not a good Batman, choice. yeah. And, and he was, and he basically was just—he was George Clooney. He was George Clooney in the suit and out of the suit. So yeah. he was—he was not a good choice. But if you look at, if and you, he admits it, and he and, and he owns it, yeah, which I love. He owns it. Uh, but if you look at both of those movies, especially to, to be fair, Batman Forever, if you look at them through the lens of the 1960s Batman. They're basically those movies, maybe, you know, with a bigger budget, mm-hmm. maybe not played, you know, as campy, but certainly leaning on it. You know, I, I, I've always said this about Batman Forever. If Batman Forever was less campy, it was well cast. Tommy Lee Jones as a less campy Two-Face could have been a great Two-Face. Uh, well, I actually think that I actually think they should only have one villain. 
Yeah. But don't but, they but, but don't but they also, always have two? Well, they've always had two since the second since one. Since the second one, yeah. Because the second one was Penguin, Penguin right? and Catwoman. And Catwoman, okay. And and Jim Carrey could have been a great Riddler. Yes. Like had a, a, a better film with that cast would have been would have been fantastic. Because I, I think they, they it was cast well, but it was just a mess. Yeah, it was. It was a, there was just so much. I don't going remember on. that. You don't remember. A I don't mess. remember a no, mess. The only thing I remember <laughs> a good time. I remember, the only thing a I remember good for time. That, from that from that movie is "Kiss from a Rose." That's it. Oh, that just wasn't the song, yeah. Yeah, that song wasn't that movie, yeah. I I I actually think that Michael Keaton, um, he's not my favorite Batman. My favorite Batman is Christian Bale, and that's because he's he was the star of my favorite Batman movie, which was Batman Begins, but. Michael Keaton's a very close second. I li- I like Michael Keaton's Batman. Michael Keaton had to be, because Michael Keaton was the the one that didn't look like Bruce Wayne, and so physically, uh, yeah, physically, and so you know Michael Keaton cast as Batman in 2019 gets fried on the internet, and yeah. you know this is gonna suck, blah blah blah. Which you know people were doing in '89, but you know you didn't. You're, There's you're, no internet. Yeah. But he killed. He did, he and he knew that he had to he had to make that work because the last thing he was in before that he was like it was like gung ho and Mr. Mom and and a bunch of comedies. But then he also then he did, did was clean and sober. Clean and sober. Yeah, and that was the thing where people were like, oh wait, okay, this guy can can do can do drama, which was but, about a, uh, for you, Ariel, for about a guy dealing with alcoholism. Okay, and so he had to. Not only could he do drama, but he could he do this hero thing, mm-hmm. and he nailed it. Yeah, he he had a little bit of a, just a, just enough crazy Bruce Wayne, like the part uh, when uh, when Joker shows up at uh, Vicky Vale's house. Mm-hmm. He's like, "You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts!" Like that was just there was just enough of that Bruce Wayne that you've seen here and there that he pulled it off. And you know the fact that he couldn't turn his head in the in the in the costume that wasn't his fault. Yeah, it's <laughs> not his fault at all. Not his fault at all. Um, and and the fault that uh, the problem that he had Vicky Vale, Kim Basinger to act against, not his fault at all either. Because I, I think she's the weak link in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, it, and it's interesting to read this back issue magazine. I'm gonna lend it to you. I do want to read that. I think you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll enjoy it. Um, to hear Sam Ham, the writer of the of the movie. Um, he said, "He says how much the the final draft of the the movie did a disservice to the Vicky Vale character. He had her actually a little bit more fleshed out, and did not have her finding out about Batman uh, in the movie. Interesting. Okay. Um, uh, so it's it, it actually interesting. And another fun fact that I, I learned about this is that Billy D. Williams, who was cast as Harvey Dent, Harvey Dent yeah. in, the, in that movie." Um, yeah, so, so he, he's Harvey Dent. I don't Dent. remember that. Yeah, he's, he's Harvey, Harvey Dent in the first two movies. No, he's only in the oh, first he's, one. I'm sorry, he's, he's, he's not in first, any I'm of sorry. the other movies. And people always assume that he was cast on the promise that he was then going to be eventually Two-Face. Two-Face, Two-Face if, it, if it went on. But I found out in this, um, in the magazine, he admits he was only, he was only, uh, had a contract for the one movie. Oh, wow. That was it. And he said, like, yeah, sure, I would have loved to be Two-Faced, but it wasn't promised to me or anything like that. So, you know, I was like, all right, you know, I keep it moving. Uh, But, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this may seem like we're doing not doing Batman 1989. uh, It's 
It's just a do. But that's because coming up in June. Oh, wow. I got to hurry up. Uh, in June, <laughs> look for where the Black Troubles are going to do a very special 30th anniversary audio commentary for 1989's Batman. That's going to be coming your way June on the Black Tribbles podcast feed. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. It's going to be myself. It's going to be, uh, I believe, Randy, the voice of reason, is going to sit down with us. It's going to be my partner from Gutter Talk, uh, JD. He'll be in the building as well. And we're going to be, do an audio commentary that you can listen to as you watch 1989's um, Batman. It should be a whole lot of fun. So look for that coming your way in June. We've got to get out of here. But next week, ladies and gentlemen, next week we are going to have fun. Hopefully we'll have a whole bunch of troubles in here because we are going to be shipping the night away. Yes, talking about all your favorite ships. Um, I think some, I, I, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we're going to be talking about Wolverine and, and Storm. That's a possibility. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so all your favorite shippings, it's going to be all, that's what we're doing next week. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. We got to get out of here. Thank you to V.E. Schwab, the new triple triple threat triple threat, threat. in the building. Yeah, um, this show will be available for your download streaming pleasure. Come the morning on blacktribbles.com and any place and every place that good podcasts be including iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Overcast, uh, all those good places. Like and follow us on all the social medias at Black Tribbles and wherever you get the podcast, please leave us a five-star rating and give us a one-word review. Say what's the thing you like best about Black Tribbles because those reviews, that's what help people find the show. Also, check out uh, respectpodfest.com because the Women's Podcast Festival is coming your way here in Philadelphia in August. And also go to our events page. we got a, a lot of cool events coming your way. Any Tribble for Storm Tribble, Master Tribble, Super Saiyan Tribble, Intern Tribble, and all the Tribbles that see, this is the Bat Tribble. And parting we say. Hailing frequencies, frequencies closed, closed, Captain. Captain. <laughs>